Our second lesson today comes from the book of Psalms. I'm reading Psalm 121, a familiar psalm. We listen for God's word. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you know that a few weeks ago, Ginger and I were in California for a family reunion. We went there to celebrate uh, the 50th birthday of my youngest brother who lives there. So I'm one of five children. So my four siblings and most of our spouses and our mother gathered for a week at the lake in California to be together for this birthday On one of the days together, we planned a trip to Yosemite National Park in the high Sierras of central California. We mapped out an eight-mile hike together that ended up at beautiful Glacier Point. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This particular hike offered us numerous views of the massive sites in that national park, El Capitan, which is this fantastic granite rock face that's been made famous because people scale it, and Half Dome, the highest and most prominent peak in that park. But when we got out of the car to begin our hike, there was an interesting and new and well-placed sign right at the trailhead, and it was put there by the National Park Service. The sign said that in recent days, a mountain lion had been spotted in that area. Now, we had read about the bears, And we had thought we were prepared for the hike, but none of us had thought anything about mountain lions, also called, according to the sign, pumas or cougars. So the note gave us pause with its warning, and the note also had instructions about what to do if you come upon a mountain lion on your hike. It said, don't crouch down. It said, don't run. It said, don't lose eye contact with the mountain lion. Stand up straight. Get a stick if you can. Make a lot of noise. Our group had a fresh sense of anxiety about this trip. But we figured we were nine people and we would be okay. And we were. We didn't see any mountain lions. We did see coyotes. We did see hawks. We did see fantastic waterfalls. We saw evidence of bears, but no bears. The hike may have been the highlight of my trip. It was special time with my siblings. It was in one of the most spectacular places I've ever been, with breathtaking views of huge granite formations, very deep valleys, and such majesty. It was impossible for me to take that hike and not think about this psalm that I just read, Psalm 121. 
that says, I look to the hills from where does my help come from? Perhaps you have been in the mountains recently and thought about this psalm, or perhaps you've had another occasion to hear this psalm read. We read it yesterday at Frank Brooks' graveside. As wonderful and spectacular as the mountains can be, Eugene Peterson reminds us how the words of this psalm actually emerged. Indeed, mountains often inspire us. Is there anything more beautiful than a ridge of spectacular mountains silhouetted by the sky? Does any part of the earth promise more in terms of majesty and beauty and strength and firmness and fortitude? But if you were a Hebrew, a Hebrew seeking to live by faith in the steadfast mercy and love of God, when you looked up to the mountains in Palestine 2,500 years ago, you would see something other than majesty and fortitude and beauty. During the time of this psalm, about 2,500 years ago, Palestine was overrun with popular pagan worship, and much of the religion was practiced on hilltops. Shrines were set up. Groves of trees were planted. Sacred prostitutes were provided. Persons were lured to the mountaintops to engage in acts of worship that would supposedly please the fertility gods or make you feel good or promise protection from evil. There were chants, and there were spells, and there were magic formulas, and there were potions, all promising to ward off mischief, and finally, the evil that comes our way. So if you looked at the mountains in that day and time, that's what you saw. In addition to the beauty, or maybe getting in the way of the beauty and the majesty, you saw this evidence of pagan worship was so visible. Therefore, the psalm says, when I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? The affirmation of the psalm intends to say it doesn't come from chance. It doesn't come from potions. It doesn't come from magic formulas. It doesn't come from worship of all these gods. Help does not come from rites or activities that lure you with false promises. Our help does not even come from the mountain. Our help comes from the Lord, the psalm says, who made heaven and earth. Our help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is an important reminder for our lives. No matter what age we live in, we're offered help in so many places. We are lured with promises that really don't fulfill. We are tempted. We are intoxicated. Have you heard that the Redskins are in town? It's exciting. It's great benefit, even fun and energy for our city. This has everyone's attention. But is that where our help comes from? For our city? For our lives? The psalm keeps redirecting us. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Or maybe our help comes, we think, from some new purchase that we are debating. Or our help comes as we get through this particular transition in our lives. 
or our help comes when we have this final new relationship where all is going to be right and we're thinking and anticipating that new relationship or we're hoping we can just get to that place that we envision or we can go on this excursion or that endeavor. It's alluring. It's intoxicating. It's tempting. Does our help come from any of those places? Our help comes from the Lord, the psalm says, the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the psalm is attempting to orient us. The psalm is attempting to give us a foundation. The psalm is attempting to give us a framework for living. This psalm speaks of the trust that can sustain the journeys of life. And they go like this. And this psalm is giving us a sense of trust that can sustain us in the journey that is life. This psalm is about trust. Trust. Can we trust our lives fully to God's care? Can we? That's the question. The psalm keeps telling us over and over. In fact, six times in this short psalm, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep your life. Can we trust our lives to God's care and keeping us? That's the question. So what are you fretting about today? What are you worried about in your life? Where are you looking for help and strength? There are lots of things that get our attention, that want to lure us, that want to tempt us with potions or chants, so to speak, or something else. And this psalm says, our help is in the name of the Lord. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord keeps watch over us. The Lord, in fact, watches over our coming and going from this time forth and forever. Now, let's think about this. Could this really be true? Can we trust our lives to God's care? Could it be true? Is God worthy of our trust? Does the Lord really watch over us, our coming and our going from this time forth and forever? Could it be true? Psalm 121 moves after the first two verses about my help, our help is in the name of the Lord, into four major points that it's making about how we can trust God, how God is our keeper. First, God will not let your foot be moved, is what it says. God who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I think about this in terms of the little stuff that comes our way. I used to tell our kids, just like when they were riding their bikes, that they are going to run into things that are going to unsettle them, make them nervous, maybe even make them crash. Loose gravel can dump you if you're riding your bike. Things like that come around all of our lives and affect us. We get bumps and bruises. We get scrapes and aches. It happens to all of us. Setbacks and disappointments. If we take this psalm literally, it says this will not happen to those who trust God. God will not let us slip. God will not let us fall. God will watch over us. But that's not the real message. We know these things happen. Crashes, ailments, bumps, bruises, sprains. The promise is not to be taken literally. These things come our way. 
It happens. It's part of life. We feel bruised and battered by life's challenges. So the first point of the psalm affirms that the things that happen to us will not finally undo us. The things that happen to us can hurt us and bruise us, but they can never, ever separate us from God's love. We are to keep living and we are to keep loving as God's people because God is going to keep our life. The second point of this song, the second section of this psalm moves from hurts and sprained ankles and foot slipping and feeling that God is asleep to bigger and more oppressive burdens that can really be overwhelming. By verse 5 it says, the The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade, the sun shall not strike you. The emphasis moves from the hurts that happen to us, from the smaller setbacks and the struggles of life, to the major crises that can really seem to overwhelm us, oppress us, to have heat stroke, is to be debilitated. It's to be put out of commission, unable to function. This is a way of talking about major setbacks where we are not sure we can even function anymore. Grief, loss, especially sudden loss or violent loss that touches our lives, or maybe the loss of a child. We have no words for people who lose children. We call people orphans whose parents die. We call people widow or widower when their loved one dies. But we have no word for people who lose children. It's too painful. That's what this is talking about. Oppressive kind of events that take over our lives. This is the second image of this psalm or some other setback that we could imagine. It says, the Lord is your shade. When you will not be overwhelmed with the excessive heat and the oppression of life's major issues. Again, this is not to be taken literally. Those overwhelming situations come among us and to us and touch us. They can even smother us. Smother us. Loss and grief and setback can be so real and so much a part of our life It's overwhelming. Yet the psalm says, the Lord is your keeper. When you feel most deserted, you're not alone. When you feel most defeated, you are not. The Lord is there giving you shade and comfort and care. God never leaves us desolate. That's the message of this psalm. That's the message of this whole book we call the Bible. God will not leave us desolate. Nothing, not anything in all creation can ever separate us from God's love. That's what this is saying. Then there's the reference and the third move here. The sun shall not strike you by day. I just talked about that. Nor the moon by night. I have, like most of you probably, some experience with heat stroke and the oppression of life that feels like we can't even move, how that depicts the overwhelming circumstances that beat us down. Uh, I've just been talking about that. I've long wondered what the moonlight can do to us 
strike us. That's the reference here. But across hundreds of years, moonstroke has been a reference to emotional or mental illness. Hence, we have the term lunacy. Lunacy has to do with mental or emotional illness. The word lunacy relates to the moon. Life doesn't just have perils that affect our body and give us ailments. Life doesn't just come and destroy our spirits like grief. Life can be difficult, very difficult, because of mental challenges, of emotional breakdowns, which is encompassed in this psalm. Many of the people who come by the church during the week have mental challenges or emotional breakdowns and illness. Mental and emotional illness can touch our lives, be part of our problems. The psalm says, God is our shade from the oppressive heat from the burdens, the debilitating things that come to us and affect our bodies and affect our spirits. And then it says, God is also our help for mental challenges and emotional setbacks that we can't even measure very well. Anything that causes us to lose our minds or our wits about us, even God keeps us there. It's a way to assert again and again nothing. Nothing in life or in death or in any part of creation, major setback or mental breakdown can ever separate us from God's love. That's the message. And then finally, the last two verses of this passage offer a summary. A wonderful summary of everything that's been said. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. You know, it's so easy, easy for one day to just blend into the next. We just go through our days. We wake up, we eat something, we go to work or go to school or go to the store or head off for the gym or look at our emails and Walk the dog and take somebody here and do this and do that and mow the lawn and check on a client maybe or go to the dentist or book a trip that we're hoping to take, pick up a few things from the store, go home, eat again, brush our teeth, go to bed, and it's all so we can do it again the next day. Our days can become so easily a blur where they blend, the parts and the pieces just get blended together and they lose all connection and significance and depth and meaning that there is way more going on here than we realize. That's the message of the psalm. There's always way more going on here than we realize. And here's the thing to remember. Here's the framework from which we're to build our lives. Here is the foundation that intends to shape our today and our tomorrow and our forever. God is real. And God comes first before all things. And God knows who you are. 
And God cares what you're dealing with, you and me and the people you know and everybody. And God is worthy of our trust because God keeps our life. That doesn't mean everything is going to be safe and certain. That doesn't mean there's not going to be bruises and bumps along the way, setbacks that are actually major sometimes. Indeed, bad things might happen to us. We not only sprain our ankle, we get some major diagnosis. We not only climb a mountain, we might fall off that mountain. We get sick. We face many challenges. Some of us, even some of the best of us, have very hard and horrible things come our way. We die way too early. Our children die. We have to deal with all of this. It's all part of life. The world is dangerous and the world is uncertain. But this is certain. This is certain. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our second lesson just is trying to hammer this home. For in him all things in heaven and on earth are created. Things visible and invisible. God is all around and in Jesus. All around. God's love prevails. God keeps our life. God's interest and care in you and me doesn't wax and wane. It's steadfast. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. There's nothing we can do to earn that. There's nowhere we can go where we are separated from that. God's abiding love. What can we do is keep on remembering that God keeps our life and keep on striving to live how God calls us to live, loving God and loving others. That's what we can do. We can remember this truth about God. God keeps our life, and we can keep seeking to be the kind of people God calls us to be, loving and spreading light and peace and joy that God's light and peace and joy may cover the streets of Richmond and cover the Commonwealth of Virginia and cover the whole world. That's the truth about God and the calling of our lives. May it be so today and forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and point us and empower us in the ways of discipleship following Christ our Lord. Amen.